There's a whole crowd of men out there who need this. Welcome to the case study. This case study will be marked down in time. Known to all as the record keeper of the historic rise of the woke man. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Actually, welcome, gentlemen. I don't know if any women will be listening to this, but quite frankly, I don't care. What I want is to see the change in man. Yes, that's hurt. The change in man. This is the Woke Man series, where you hear the stories of men who changed, who laid to rest their old ways of thinking, and who opened up and started expressing their truth. Revealing emotion, strengthening their self-awareness, and breaking free from the old paradigm of being a man. This is going to help men find the courage to open up, to break the shackles of toxic masculinity, and to guide them home in becoming a better man. Let's go. Oh, by the way, it's Luca. Luca Reedy from the Feeling Alive podcast. And The Woke Man is a sub-series. You're welcome. Welcome back to The Woke Man series, ladies and gentlemen, the greatest case study on men where we're looking at the conscious journey. Again, another episode 52 now, over the halfway mark, coming into the home stretch. We've had an incredible response to what we've already placed out there on the internet with the on the Feeling Alive podcast with this series. And today, I'm really excited to share this man's journey uh, as I've followed him a bit on social media and, and started to see some of his own personal story, but I'm with my woke brother, Kadara, man. How are you? Well, brother. I'm good. I'm good. What about you? I'm good, man. I'm good. We had a bit of a chat before. Yeah. Talk, getting to know each other a little bit. This is the first time we meet and a lot of the people that I'm, the men that I'm interviewing is the first time I'm meeting and a lot of them are just like finding the series and jumping on. But I just want to say thank you for joining me, bro. And, and giving us your time. Thanks for having me on here, brother. Cool, man. So the first question is, where did you grow up and where do you live now? Uh, I grew up in California and Japan, and I currently live in Arizona. Wow, cool. So wait, California <clears throat> and say that Japan. Was, so you grew up in both? Yep. What took you to Japan? Uh, my mom uh, got a government job, so we moved wow. out there when I was about 10 years old. Wow. How, what was that experience like? It was different. It was much different. Uh, but I believe it set me up for where I am now, which is amazing. Different mindset, for sure, than the Western world. What's the mindset like? Because it's like a first world Asian country, right? True. It's a, it's a lot more chill. Like, I think everything evolves and moves and like, a, there's like a different flow out mm. there. And the way things go, it's like people are a lot more accepting and understanding of things. And Interesting. Yeah, everything is like a ritual. It's crazy. Fuck, I love that, man. That sounds yeah. awesome. I've been feeling called to go to Japan at some point, so it's been coming up a bit. Yeah. Now, how old are you now, bro? 35 now. Wow. Awesome, man. And what are you doing for a living for everyone? Uh, So I am a coach. I'm a personal freedom coach, uh, an ASM artist. So Yeah. So I was just looking up ASMR today because it's the first time I've heard about it. Can you explain what ASMR is? people uh so when you spell it out it's autonomous sensory meridian response but basically it's where someone makes some type of sound 
uh, that you feel like it goes from like your head to your toe and it just calms you down. Uh, so it can be a voice where people are like whispering or things like that. Or it's like some type of sound that people make on certain things. And everyone reacts differently, which is why I love ASMR. Some people like the whispering, some people like the scratching, some people like the singing bowls or whatever you have, but it's generally meant to help people to relax. So it gets them into that like uh, rest and restore the, the uh, sympathetic mm-hmm. nervous system, uh, the parasympathetic nervous system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow, cool. And so you do that with clients online or in person? Uh, online, uh, yeah. being where I am now, so yeah, everything's online. Yeah, cool, man. And what's one thing you're really good at? Something I'm really good at, I'm definitely good at cheering people up. I'd say if that was like a skill, I'm really good at cheering people up. Mm, boosting them up. Is that something you've had in the whole in your whole life? My whole, yeah, my whole, I've always been that person that's just, I always have fun yeah. in like any situation. And I think me having fun inspires other people to be like, oh, I'm like, it's not that bad, right? Mm-hmm. So I just, I love seeing people smile, seeing people dance, just helping people realize like, let go of the things you can't control. Like mm-hmm. you can control your happiness. So embrace it enjoy it i love that man uh, speaking of dancing you're quite good at dancing as i see on tiktok yeah you've been doing dancing. that for quite a while eh? my whole life even since i was a baby i've loved music and moving so wow it's very awesome it was because actually i found you just popped up by chance on my you know as it is by chance right mm-hmm. uh on the for you page on tiktok and i was like damn because you were dancing and then you were moving and then you put, put your words up so it's like i don't know if you mm-hmm. plan to like where you're going to put words up or you just move and you go, I'll put something. I there. just move. Yeah. Someone asked that. And I was like, I just move with the mindset that I'm going to be placing words somewhere. So I'll just move and like point places. And I usually have no idea what I'm going to be talking about. I just, I just dance in the moment. And then I go, what do I want to talk about today? All right, let's talk about conscious men. And I posted the video and like posted the words and people are like, how did you know where to point? I'm like, I just point. I just make sure I don't point in the same spot twice. So good. I wondered that too, man. I was like, man, he's got a dog down. <laughs> but it's really cool. Um, what's your biggest fear? Biggest fear? Oh, I think my, honestly, my biggest fear is like dying alone. I think it's always been like that, especially in the military. Uh, when you lose a lot of people that are around you, there's a lot of experiences I've had where I was like the only person that survived. Mm. So I think I have this fear of being like, I don't want to be at the end of my days and just be sitting by myself. It's like, I want somebody next to me, you know, it's just a friend or something mm. like that. So has mm. that, is that, do you feel like that has been related to your experience in the army or is that sort of something that comes from your childhood? Um, no, I'd say it was the army. It was definitely in the military where I started feeling like, you know, that why am I the only survivor? Even in my childhood, there were things that I survived that other people didn't. So it's like, why, why me, why me? Whoa. So it was like, I don't want to be that last person that's just here. It's like, let me be around someone or people when I go. Have you, have you ever had an answer to that question? Why me? Like, do you feel like there's I did, I, I did. I definitely didn't realize. I, I did realize at one point, because I used to ask myself, like, why am I the only survivor? Why am I the only one that's not hurt? You know, I got blown up twice and I'm still alive, which most people can't say that. And I still have all my limbs. Uh, and then I had my aha moment, I think, just in realizing that just in talking to people, you can help people feel better or just by listening. And mm-hmm. I was like, you know, I actually think my purpose in life is to serve other people based on my experiences. And I tell people, I'm like, as crazy as my experiences are in life, I feel like every single one of them happened because like God, source, universe, creator, whomever was like, this, this dude can handle it. And he's going to be able to tell that story to other people. And we need him to do that so that other people will have hope. And that's why I continue to share. 
It's like, I've survived this. Let's talk about it. Mm, that's awesome, man. What's one of your favorite quotes? One of my favorite quotes uh, definitely was something where someone said, um, someone said, what's one of your favorite quotes? And I was like, the best quote I've actually ever heard was no one to say no. It's something Chadwick Boseman also said. That's like the quote that's helped me in my life so much. Know when to say no, as in practice self-care, practice self-love. And I've lived that way. It's just like, if I don't want to do something, I'm like, no, why? I don't want to do it. They want to keep talking. I just let it go. That's, I know when to say no. Mm, that's, that's a big practice in boundaries, right? Creating those solid mm-hmm. boundaries, man. True. Powerful, bro. What's a conscious man to you, Kadara? In my opinion, a, a conscious man is someone that has moved beyond having to label themselves in a way. Uh, I heard a great quote in the anime Naruto where uh, one of the characters said that sometimes I was a man, sometimes I was a woman, and sometimes I was something more. And I let that sit with me over the last couple of years. And I realized like, I believe when you reach consciousness, you don't have to define yourself as a conscious man or a conscious woman. You're just a conscious being. You're, you're more than a man and a woman at that point. Mm-hmm. It goes back to the people who are like divine f- feminine, divine masculine. I'm like, in reality, there is no divine masculine without the divine feminine. You can't be one or the other. You have to be both. They're literally meant to create divine union. So it's like at that point, you're just divine now. You're just mm-hmm. conscious. Yeah. So yeah. Like, I love that, man. I love that, especially the labels. I feel like, mm-hmm. I don't know, personally, me, just like con- constantly finding and, and labeling myself. Like I was, you know, vegan for three years. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, yes, I'm vegan. And it's all, your, it's it's you, man. It's like, it's everything. You know? Did you ever have an experience where you were like labeling yourself? I did. It? And it was actually the vegan thing. I went vegan and I was so proud to tell people. Oh, I'm a vegan. It's like, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm a vegan. I'm cool. I'm I'm better than you are. And then there was a day where I ate something. I was eating something and someone was like, how do you know the bread is vegan? I was like, I'm hoping it's vegan. They're like, yeah, but you don't really know. And I'm like, I don't. And I was like, you know what? I'm like, why do I even use this label? So it's like, you tell people like, what do you eat? Oh, I primarily just eat plant-based. Oh, so you're vegan. I'm like, no, nah, I don't need to label myself. Like this is a lifestyle. To me, almost saying like you're vegan, it's like tying into the diet thing. And it's like, I don't need to label it. And like, mm-hmm. if I want to have a piece of cake, I have a piece of cake. Mm-hmm. And then I don't feel like I'm cheating on myself. I think that's where vegans are very prideful. It's like, if they do something wrong, they feel bad. Oh my God, I had a, uh, there was a piece of fish in there. It's like, oh, it's not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Like, you're still happy about your life. Yeah, then cool. You had some fish. It's cool. Mm-hmm. It's not the end of the world. Enjoy your life. Mm-hmm. I love <clears> that, man. Enjoy your life. I definitely resonate with that. What's one thing that's challenging you right now, brother? One thing that's challenging me, I think one thing that's challenged me is definitely getting used to being back in society. Uh, Because of my time in the military and the things I experienced, I needed to distance myself from the world to kind of heal. Uh, So it's taken me quite a while to get back to a point where it's like, okay, I'm ready to step back into the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, For the last two and a half years, I'd pretty much been backpacking and I was just staying like in South America, I was in the desert, I was in the mountains now. So my challenge is like integrating myself back into society because it's one thing to see someone online, but it's completely different when you're surrounded by people. And it goes back to that thing of like telling your story where people don't judge you. Because initially when I would tell people the stuff that I went through, people were afraid of me. You know, they call me a monster, even my best friends. Like once I told them what I did in combat, they were like, oh no. And then they just distanced themselves. 
So I think my challenge is like integrating back into society, being like, I accept what I've done. If people don't accept me, it's cool. So I'm, I'm grateful to be in a space where I'm slowly getting better and sharing more of my journey so that I can reintegrate back into the world. How, how long has it been since you've left the army? Um, a little over two years. Wow. So it's still quite fresh, isn't it? Yeah, it's still quite fresh for me. When was the last like combat fight that you were in? The last like major combat thing was was in 2010. Um, that's the last time I was downrange. I still trained soldiers even after that. And we went on missions, but I was like, hey, I'm not going back to combat. I just can't do it anymore. Uh, so yeah. What does unconditional love mean to you, brother? To me, unconditional love means accepting people for who they were, who they are right now, and whoever they become. And I, I always tell people, it's like, I can love, I love everyone unconditionally, but I don't have to put you in my space. Like, I can love you, but I don't have to stay around you. Like, if someone does something that doesn't resonate with me, I'm not going to stay around you. I'll, I'll push you out of the space. We don't have to hang out, but I still love them. As in when you reach out, I'm cool with it. Whatever you choose to do in your life, I accept it because it's your life. I'm not going to judge you or tell you how to live your life. Just like I won't let someone do the same for me. Mm, it's again, practicing those boundaries too, yeah? True. Yeah, bro. Last question for this round. Do you believe in a greater power and what is that for you? Uh, I do believe that there's some greater power. Uh, I... I'll say God, source, universe, creator, whomever people believe in, because I don't want to like label it. But to me, that greater power is just what, what made me worthy of being here. I feel like I may have manifested myself consciously into being like my parents are the vessel. My consciousness was like, I want to be a human. I'm here. But I believe the greater power was like what gave the energy to make it capable, to make it possible. And that for me is like the source. That's the source of like, yes, you're here. And then as I go through my life, when I start to trust the process, I believe that that source or power, greater power, is kind of what throws things to help me along. Like as long as I choose a direction and I'm, I'm consistent, I'm authentic, I have integrity, that greater power is always going to help me. And ever since I've trusted the process, I don't really worry about anything anymore. Mm, it's powerful. How would you connect to that on a daily basis? Um, staying grounded. Uh, I would say I, I definitely do my best to stay grounded. I do my best to, yeah, I just try to stay aligned in like every situation. And if I feel like I'm out of alignment, I definitely catch myself so much better now than I did before. Like if someone says something that would naturally trigger me, I'll just be like, you know what, they're projecting. I don't know what's going on in their life. I don't want to give into that energy. And then I'm just like, you know what? Uh, you know, I have people that project while I'm online in the lives or people that write messages. And I'm usually just like, hey, that's cool. Thanks for your opinion. Uh, I respect that. And I just go about my day and I'm like, there's no need for me to tie into that or allow it to take away from me. That's a challenge, isn't it? That's a fucking thing. It, it can challenge. be sometimes. I'm, yeah. It can be sometimes. And it was, it was a, it was a journey to get to where I am now, but I definitely understood that everything anyone says to me is a projection mm -hmm. because when we see people, we're literally seeing a reflection of ourselves in that person saying, if I was you, this is what I would do. So now that I understand that that's what I was doing, I'm like, that's what everybody else is doing. You're seeing you and me, and you want me to live the life the way you want to or the way you didn't. Uh -huh. Therefore, I'm just like, cool. Like, I accept yeah. it. It's cool. It's your opinion. We're cool. So, yeah, I just don't get mad about the projections and stuff anymore. <coughs> Man, <coughs> excuse me. The greatest thing, I think, I totally resonate. And it's like, <coughs> excuse me, if 
there's one thing I feel like if there's one thing that we could all learn, I did a video on this mm-hmm. the other day, it is that, it's projection. It is that everyone is a reflection of you and in order to change, it's the best way is to start seeing that person expressing you. And then if you want to heal, take ownership of what they're showing you. And yeah. it was like, I feel like the world would be a different place. True. Like a different place, bro. True. If, yeah. if, everyone, if everyone started talking to other people from an aligned mindset, as in, I, like, I talk to everyone as I would talk to myself, mm. but I don't judge myself anymore. So it's like, if we weren't judging ourselves, we wouldn't judge other people. We would get along so much better. We would just be like, I accept what you're doing or I don't accept what you're doing, but I'm still here. We can still go about our lives. Again, whatever resonates with you, you invite in and integrate if you want to, whatever doesn't, you just go on. But I think too many people are so focused on being right and wrong. I think that's one of the biggest problems in the world. Everybody wants to be right and nobody wants to be wrong. So they just, it's just like, that's your opinion. Cool. I'm not trying to be right. I told people, I was like, whatever I share with you is the blueprint of my experiences. I'm not trying to be right. I'm not trying to be wrong. You can accept it or not accept it. I'm still going to speak my truth. Mm, amen, <clears throat> brother. I love that. All right, let's get into the main questions now on your conscious journey, Kadara. Cool, cool. The first question here is, what did your life look like as unwoke, unconscious, and how does that compare to now if we go back? I'd say there was definitely a time in my life <clears throat> in my younger 20s where I was like not as conscious, and that was me just projecting on everybody because i had been in the military i went to war i was like if you didn't serve and you haven't seen war you ain't shit that's literally the mindset i had where i just felt like everyone else that hadn't done it was less than um that goes back to the the whole oh like you know there's a lot of people that are like i'm a light warrior i'm a light warrior and it's like to me it's like if you haven't experienced the darkness as well of the world and of yourself and it's like you haven't really found alignment like you don't know what it means to be a light worker because you have no idea what the darkness feels like. Just like the more pain you go through in life, the more you understand love. And that's when I became more woke, when I started like embracing the darkness, embracing the other sides and learning from them. You know, not trying to transmute everything, but I put myself in situations in life where I forced myself to learn. It's like, I'm heartbroken. I'm going to feel this shit. I want to know what it's like truly love by understanding what it's truly like to be heartbroken so mm. i think that was like my big aha moment was seeing what the other side was like Fucking like amazing. coming back from the darkness of being a soldier that's where i became more conscious because i was like i know the monster within me is no longer a monster it's a garden guardian it's like i know the hate that i had is no longer hate it's the highest level of love because i've been to the lowest level of hate and stuff like that so man that's beautiful it it it's a, like that. I completely agree with like the shadow, the depth, mm. the dark, and you can only go as deep as you've taken someone. You know, True. sorry, you can only take someone as deep as you've gone. Vice versa, True. like I said. Mm. And like, if you go back to the unwoke period, what were you? What was your some of your behaviors? I mean, were you angry? Were you aggressive? Were you jealous? Were you envious? Mm. I've I've never been really an angry or aggressive person. I was a I was a playful person. I loved mind games. And my thing was, I liked playing mind games with people that liked playing mind games. Yeah. So for me, it's like if I met a female that liked mind games, I liked to play into their game knowing that I knew that it was a game. So I would play along. And that's kind of where I was at that point in my life. I'm like, you know what? Let's play. Let's have some fun. And weeks or months could go by. And then eventually I'd just be like, yeah, this is boring. Mm-hmm. And then I would do something to show them that I understood it was a game. And yeah. 
So how did you how did you fit in from going from a playful person into killing people? Um, I would say that was the fight or flight. That was like mm. self preservation, uh, and that was probably one of my greatest lessons of like learning to let go of that. Because a part of you blames yourself for all the stuff you've done. Like I definitely blame myself for so much stuff, mm. um, and I hated. And I also blame the military. And I would say I wasn't able to free myself from that until I really sat with myself and I was like, you know what? No one made me sign the contract. No one ever made me pull the trigger. Like that was all me. Like I can blame everybody all I want. And as I started to accept that these were the choices I made, uh, it made it so much easier. I was like, you know what? I accept responsibility for what I did. Uh, so yeah, going from that playfulness to being a killer, I never lost the playfulness. I just switched how I was playful. I went from being playing with people in a negative way to playing with people to try to help them take their mind off what we were surrounded by. Mm. So I was a guy like we'd literally go on a mission, come back and I'd be like, yo, who wants to play Monopoly? Who's trying to lose mm. some property? Yeah. So I started to be more playful because I knew how to cheer people up. So. Wow, man. That's, that's powerful, brother. And now how did, how, how are you responding, you know, knowing what's, what you've gone through in your life? When you like you said, you've already said in the last question, you you tend to sort of take responsibility for your actions. You mm-hmm. you accept people regardless of where they're at. Mm-hmm. Is it is that is that sort of explaining your character now? Is yeah, that's definitely my character now. I feel like my character now is I'm just like I'm radically honest with people. Like I'll tell you, tell them what's on my mind, mm-hmm. but I I do come so from a place of like unconditional love. It's like I if I that. tell you something, I'm telling it to you as a way where I'm not trying to be right or wrong, but I'm offering you this advice and that I have experienced it or I have worked with someone that has experienced something similar. And if you're willing to accept or integrate, then it is here. If you don't take it, I'm not mad. At least I know that I have done so. I have done my best. Incredible. But that connection, that momentary connection we've had, even if it lasts a day or an hour or so. Do you believe love is two-sided? Love is two-sided. Um, no, actually, I, I believe love is a gift. That's one of my greatest lessons. Uh, I think one of the biggest struggles we have in life is people seem to think that if someone loves you, you have to love them back. And I 100% believe that if I love someone, they don't have to love me back because it's my love. It's mm-hmm. interpersonal. So if I love you, then I love you. If you don't love me back, I can't get mad. Like you, You're not forced to love me. Mm-hmm. So I believe love is just the one-way thing. You can love everybody. You can love no one. You can love one person. Uh, so yeah, I don't believe love is two-sided where... I think that's where a lot of the disagreements happen. Like where it's it like, you're my best be friend. Yeah, it doesn't have, where it's like, you're my best friend, but it's like, yeah, but you're not my best friend. Yeah. And it's the same thing about love. It's like, I love you a lot. And you're like, yeah, but I like you as a friend, but I love you as a friend. So again, I just, mm-hmm. I just go, hey, love is a gift. If someone gifts you love, then take it if you want to, or don't take it if you don't want to. So. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, man. And in that unborn period, bro, what was your biggest vice? What, what grabbed hold of you? Mm. that brought me into being woke or just no just in the sense know, of like what were you using what i enjoyed to doing what were you using to tolerate your emotions your feelings uh, like drinking i was drinking my vice was drinking i used to drink a lot like in that phase mm-hmm. of my life uh i would i could drink at least six long island iced teas no bs and you'd still be perfectly fine i would just mm. drink drink and party dance so i I'd drink go out to party i was literally going out wednesday thursday friday and saturday nights every single week Mm-hmm. I was in the army, mind you. So I would literally go out and party till four or five in the morning, rush back home with my friends, shower so I didn't smell like alcohol, 
and then be ready to go in like 30 minutes, depending on when our formation was, and then go for runs or do push-ups. And that's just how I coped with everything. Holy shit. And what about um, through that, that same period, what emotion troubled you most? Anxiety, anger, shame, guilt, fear, sadness? Um, I would say it was mostly guilt. Yeah. Um, I got I got a Dear John letter when I was in Iraq, uh, when I was 19 what's, years what's old. What's a Dear John letter? Uh, Dear John letter is basically when someone writes you to tell you that they're breaking up with you uh, while you're in combat. Oh. So I was in Iraq. I got a Dear John letter from the person I like wanted to spend my life with. Uh, and she told me she was uh, she was pregnant and my cousin was with me. He's like, oh, man, you're having a baby. I was like, bro, we've been here for 10 months. He's like, oh, I was like, yeah. And I think when I came back, that that's what really hurt me. And I like, I don't blame her because that was my reaction. But that's when I became that playful person where I just started hurting everybody because I was hurt. So it was like my heart was broken and my mind was broken from war. And I just took it out on like everybody else and myself. Mm, wow, man. Have you come to release that and forgive that? Especially your ex-partner? Yeah, I, I, I let that go. Um, probably in like my mid-20s is when I had a, a big aha moment with a friend of mine, Jess. Some guy had basically cheated on her and she was telling me about it. I was like, man, that's crazy. I was slowly becoming more conscious. And she was like, that's the stuff that you do to all the women that you talk to. And I saw her crying. I saw her not eating. I saw her not talking to people. I was like, wait, all the women that I've been doing this to are really doing the same thing? She's like, yes. And I felt like shit, man. I was like, I didn't realize I had that impact on people. And I was like, I got to change. So I actually wrote every single person because MySpace was popular back then. I wrote every single person I could in like the last couple of years that I had played and broken their heart or something on MySpace. And yeah, and I was like, I actually want to say, I'm sorry, blah, blah, blah. Some people responded, some people didn't, some people were angry, but I felt better letting it out, knowing that I, I at least did it. I did it to say that I was sorry. Yeah. Mm, Powerful bro. And um, were you waking up while you were in the army? I was waking up while I was in the military. And did you go on any combats while you were starting to awaken? Um, yeah, actually it was probably, I'm trying to think of one of my big, my big aha moment where I just, I knew that something was off was uh, something happened on one of our missions and I saw the newspaper article the next day and it was totally off. And then like a couple months later, something else happened on a mission and I saw the newspaper article and it was completely wrong. And I was like, I was there. Like, and my, my boss was like, this is the way of the world. And I was like, if this is the world, I, I can't be a part of this world. And I started to also see like, what have I chosen? What am I doing with my life right now? And it's like, is this how I want to live my life? Uh, and then like being that I grew up in Japan, I've always been spiritual. So for me, I was in a warrior mindset. I was like, I'm like a samurai serving my country. That's actually the mindset I had, uh, like the code of Bushido. And I, then I just got to a point where it's like, I want to serve the world, but in a different way. But I can't do that until I start healing. And that's when I slowly started to heal and work on myself. And my therapist was like, how, how is it that you healed from all the stuff that I read on here and you're a life coach now? And I was like, what I did is I put myself in a snow globe. Is then I put myself in a snow globe and all the snow was all the issues I had to work through. So I would shake my globe up intentionally and start working on the triggers that I had. I wrote down all my triggers in a, in a journal. And I started working on the triggers one by one. Everything that triggered me, why does it trigger me? Where does the trigger come from? And as I started to work through them, I got to a point where I could shake the globe and there was no snow. And at that point I realized I'm ready to help other people because I've 
yeah, I've worked through all this stuff and now I want to be the person that can show people like you can get out of that. Like, yeah. trust me, you can. Okay, man. I love that, brother. And who's like, who, I like this question. This is very interesting. Whose love did you crave most growing up and who did you have to be to get it? Um, when I was a kid, I, I craved my parents' love the most, but I didn't get it. And I think that's when my spiritual journey began. Uh, there was a night where I was like bawling in tears and I was like, I just want a friend. I just want someone to love me. And that's probably when I got my first spirit guide. Uh, yeah. So I got my first spirit guide when I was 11. How did you know about that? How did you, how, tell us about that experience. I'm oh, it was like, yeah, uh, basically some, my everyone in the house was gone. And the house that we lived in in Japan, uh, if you go upstairs, there's a doorway and it locks from the inside. And in my stepfather's room, there's a door that's like yay high, really about that big, uh, that opens and leads to the attic. And I always kept telling my parents when I looked in the attic, I saw a glass doll in a case. No one ever believed me. And that it night, wasn't, it wasn't some, there. It wasn't there. It, no one ever saw it except for me. And I'm like, there's a glass doll in there. And they would ask everyone else. And everyone was like, there's nothing up there. Uh, so that night where that was like the first night everybody was gone. I'm walking by my stepdad's room and the doors open to the attic, little cabinet doors. And I was like, fuck this. So I like, <laughs> I ran, I ran into my room and I like heard this voice and stuff. It was crazy. Ran into my room, locked the door. I actually tried to go downstairs first. Couldn't open the door. I'm like, it locks from my side. Open the door. <laughs> Panicking, ran into my room, shut the door. I was 11, as you can imagine. Had like the flashlight. My parents came in, had to like basically kick the door down. Um, and then everyone saw the glass case. People were like, oh, there's a glass case up here. And I was like, I've been saying that forever. And they're like, yeah. There was a guy, this is my first master or sensei. And uh, he was like, he told people that he saw something no one else could see. So he's different. Uh, and it, in a sense, to me, the doll that was in that glass case, which was my first spirit guide, was waiting for someone to notice it or to see it. And ever since then, yeah, I'd say like I started hearing weird voices, but it would tell me stuff that was going on around me. It'd be like that person's lying or this happened in history. And I would go look at this stuff up online or in books. And I'm, I'd tell people and they'd be like, no, that's just in your head. I'm like, there's no way I would know this information from like Israel because I've never been there or I, I wouldn't know this stuff in ancient India. But it would just tell me stuff. And I, it was like, if you don't believe me, go look it up. And I look it up and I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. And ever since then, yeah, I just. That's fascinating, awesome bro. That it was. Fascinating. So you've been quite spiritual from a younger age. True. Okay. I grew up in, the, in that community. There were uh, mystics, Taoist uh, monks and shaman and stuff that weren't like known. Like people knew they existed, but it wasn't a spiritual community. So after that incident, that's when they were like, they brought me in. So that's where I actually found my family and my love. And it was like, I would go there when I was like, not at school and other stuff to learn more. So I learned all about like, mm -hmm. I learned all about like Taoism, mysticism, shamanism and stuff since I was 11. Oh, dude, that is insane. So good. How luck up. Awesome. What an awesome experience. Yeah. What about the lowest point in your life? What happened? Talk to us about that. And, and was suicide ever an option for you? Suicide's actually never been an option for me, but I've definitely lost a lot of people. I would say the lowest point in my life was uh, coming back from Iraq the second time. Um, no, unoffic unofficially, there are some times where they keep the records of the numbers of everything that's happened, like killed in action or deaths from the enemy and stuff. And there were a few missions we went on where they call us warmongers, where I like snapped basically 
and I did fight or flight. I was able to keep everyone alive. But what I did is something that brought me to my lowest point. I ended up having to take out a lot of people so that we could survive. And I know deep down, I didn't take out anyone that was innocent, but seeing the number, seeing the numbers add up after we came back is what brought me to my lowest point in my life. Because there were instances where I was single and if a shot had to be taken, especially if it was like a younger person with a weapon, I didn't want someone else on my team that had a kid to do it because I didn't want them to live with it. So I, I took the burden. I was like, I'll take the burden. So I would do it just consciously, subconsciously. So it was like, after we were about to come back, I, I reached my lowest point when I came back, when I was like, look what I just did, man, to survive. Like, I can't believe I did all this stuff. And then I came back and I couldn't be around. I couldn't be around family events because I couldn't be around families because I'd just seen so many families die while we were out there. So I think that was my lowest point when I started distancing myself. I was no longer the party guy. And I think people realize that uh, I would party, but I would probably go out by myself. I started traveling by myself. I just couldn't be around other people because I felt like I didn't deserve to be around people from what I did. But that was mm -hmm. definitely the lowest points in my life uh, coming back from that. Mm -hmm. And how many, what was the numbers? Like like when you talk about warmongering, what happened in that sense? Like you, you had to save someone's life and you literally just went out and like killed what? 10, 20, 30. No, I was, so I was a 50 cal gunner. If you know what a 50 cal is, like the big gun on top of the truck wow. and a UH-60 gunner. My number, so imagine taking out entire convoys. So alone, I've done a lot of them. My number is close to 500. And it was like when they totaled it up, I never thought about it until they brought the number up. And then I think I had been pretty good on not thinking about it until I did my VA uh, interview again. And she was going through my record and she was just going through it and that's when she brought up she was like you know tell me about your thing and i'm like well she has the record so i might as well say it and i did i said what the number was and i think it really hit her to see someone that had done that and then i'm just sitting there her talking very calmly and i'm like yeah i'm a life coach and she's just like how could you and i'm like i i learned to let go of that i realized that doesn't define me and i i told myself i did this for x y and z right reasons mm -hmm. people can hate me if they want to but at the same time, it comes back to that projecting thing. Mm -hmm. It's like if you weren't in combat, if you weren't in my shoes, you actually don't know what was going on. So yeah, it's like, I know why I did what I did. And I'm grateful to still be here. Yeah. But unfortunately, that's just, that's how war is. Mm. How do you see death now? Are you scared of it? Oh, no, I'm definitely not. I mean, like a part of me, like, I feel like I should be afraid of death. But it's like, I'm actually not because I know it's natural. It's going to happen at some point. Yeah. So I don't fear death. Therefore, I'm able to focus more of my time on just living. I'm just yeah. like, oh, what am I going to do today? It's like, oh, I'll do an interview at mm. 7.30 tonight. So yeah, I get excited about everything in the day. Every morning I wake up, I'm super excited. I have like three things I'm grateful for. I'm grateful to have a new day of life, grateful to have breath, grateful to have a heartbeat. And I'm like, I wake up and I'm like, oh, yes, another day. Let's <laughs> get it. Yeah. I love it, brother. And you're making the most out of it. You know, I think that's mm -hmm. like, we can't, like, I think you probably teach a lot of people this too. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like you can't stay in the past. You have to just learn to True. accept it and let it go. Mm -hmm. is, that, is that how you believe? Yeah. So I tell people, I'm like, you can't change the past because it's already happened. And you can't predict the future because it's infinite possibilities. So it's like, you don't know what's going to happen in the next five minutes or an hour. For all I know, the power could go out and then this interview almost ends. So I just tell people, I just live in the moment and just learn to adapt. Um, I, I would tell people like if you broke your day into like three parts, uh, energy wise, if it was like, you know, 33% the past, 33% the future, 34% the present, 
If you stop focusing on the past, now you've got 67% in the present moment. You stop focusing on the future, now you got 100%. You're living right now. And if you live in right now, you can actually expand your view of everything. You see the world so much more clearly because you're not thinking about everything else. So I think that's where a lot of people are missing all those opportunities where they're like, the universe isn't helping me. I'm like, the universe is dropping thousands of signs for you. You don't see them because you're not willing to let go of the stuff from your past. Mm-hmm. And you're caught in the what if scenarios about today, tomorrow, what's going to happen in the future. It's like, right. I don't even think about today. I just think about right now. I don't know what's going to happen today, but I know what's happening right now because mm. I can adapt in this moment. Mm, it's beautiful, bro. I love that analogy, the, the, the 32% of the past, 32% mm-hmm. of the future. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you, what was a significant moment of awakening for you, Kadara? Um, I'd say actually one of the one of the bigger moments was when I left the military and I went to South America. Uh, there was a morning where I was laying out on the beach with my friend Sam, and I'm like laying on the beach. I like gauged how far the water was coming up, and I was just laying down and I was meditating, and yeah, the ocean just came up and took everything. I had my glasses, my phone, my sandals. The ocean took it and I panicked for a moment. And I was like, honestly, like I have another pair of glasses. I can get another pair of shoes. And if the ocean takes the phone, I'm not meant to have the phone. I got all this stuff back, but that was a big moment of awakening for me. And just being like, if the ocean really took it, like if the, cause the ocean wasn't coming that high, then it was meant to come that high in that moment. Cause I was laying there in those five minutes that we were laying there. And I just realized whatever is gonna happen has happened. And I think that's when I pulled away from a lot of materialism to where I was like, a phone is cool, but if I lose the phone, it's not the end of the world for me. Mm. If I lose those sandals, I walk around barefoot anyways. And if I lose these glasses, maybe I can't see for a little bit, but at some point I will be able to get more glasses. Mm. Uh, So that was my big awakening moment is letting go from all these things I thought I needed in life. I don't actually need them all. They help, but I don't need them. Isn't that a huge lesson for life, bro? Yeah, it was. It was... It was crazy. Yeah, It was like going back, I went back into my room and I was just like, dude, if I would have lost this stuff, I I have a spare pair of glasses. I love my cell phone, but it's like, I can get another phone. Like I'm not forsaken from getting another phone. (laughs) That's like the ocean took it. The ocean took it. It's not I could do about it. But I was like, that was the divine timing. Because as I said, we watched the beach. The water never came up that far. And after that, it still never came up that far. So I was like, I was meant to be laying there to learn that lesson. So it's like the ocean taught me one of the best lessons I think I've ever learned in my life. Yeah. I love it, bro. I love that. What's been the most significant healing modality you've used on your journey? Breath work, pranayama. Oh, definitely. Fuck, yeah. Yes. Uh, I, I always teach people the box breathing method specifically because it was like invented by the Navy SEALs. Yeah. But that is what actually helped me in combat. It's just being able to like... Hold it, you know, breathe in for four seconds, hold it for four seconds, breathe out for four seconds, hold it for four seconds. And that is how I was able to literally do what I could do. And I would try to teach people, they're like, how do you control yourself in those moments? I was like, as things are happening around me, I literally take those 16 seconds. I was like, it only takes 16 seconds. And if you allow yourself to be grounded, the analogy I use, like most people when they ground themselves, it's like a flat grounding, but I'm like, you need to create like a hook. And that way, when you're focusing on your higher self or your yeah, your higher self or your best version of yourself, you let it make a hook also so that when you're in the middle, you're aligned instead of being balanced. If you do it like this, it's like two magnets and you're swaying back and forth. Mm -hmm. So I believe pranayama and the box breathing method and just understanding your breath 
can help you come into alignment instead of trying to focus on being balanced. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. What else have you used? Did you say you mentioned meditation? You mentioned meditation therapy. For sure. Like therapy's been a big one for you as well. Uh, so meditation and somatic therapy. Somatic therapy being movement, and that's why everyone sees me dancing. People are like you're always dancing. I'm like you don't see it, but when I dance, I'm actually releasing stuff. I dance and I move and I'm releasing whatever energies are in my body and people see me smiling because I'm happy to release that energy. So it's like, I just freestyle. I just let it go in the moment. It's like, I'm not practicing. I just start dancing and having fun. Uh, so somatic therapy, I think is one of the most powerful things I've ever used to like release and receive energies. Yeah. Are there any types of healing that you're doing currently now that you're um, working through yourself? Like, like any still, modalities that you're yeah. using? It's the same stuff. Yeah, still same so. I our, our sound healing is something I definitely got back into. Uh, I grew up around it, and I would say that I I stopped doing it when I got interviewed by some magazines and they told me that they weren't going to publish it because I wasn't certified after doing the interviews. I think that 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 took a big chunk out of me because I thought I wasn't good enough. Mm -hmm. um, and then I got back into it when I had done it for a friend the night before. And she's like, you should post this on TikTok. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm not certified. She's like, no one cares. You do every, she's like, you're not a certified life coach. She's like, you're not certified to all these things and you still do them. I was like, you know what, you're right. So I posted a video of sound healing and it went viral. It's it like, there you go. It's got like over a million views. And I was just like, you know what? Yeah, I was like, I can't, I can't stop myself anymore. So I was like, I'll never not do something because someone else told me I'm not certified or I don't have the credentials or something like that. If it works for one person, then it's good enough for me. If one person takes something from it, then I'm gonna keep doing it. How's that, bro? Like that's that's the universe speaking to you, going and like mm -hmm. I feel like that's like just reassurance to say like, that's what you're meant to be doing. Do you mm -hmm. do you see it that way? I do. I definitely. And ever since then, I've incorporated the using the Tibetan singing bowls in like anything and everything, yeah. as well as still like having fun. Like I posted a video yesterday, um, and it was like I saw uh, this guy Brian posted a video with a rain rain thing to make rain sound so i was like i'm gonna have fun with this i was like hey stop scrolling sit the f down shut up close your eyes Dung, and just listen to the sound healing mm -hmm. i was like a lot of you have this resting i don't give an f face you need to get rid of that I and a lot that. of people thought it was fun and funny i was like it's you gotta have fun in spirituality as well i think too many people are too serious in the spiritual world and it's like mm -hmm. it's gotta be this way and it's like have fun mm -hmm. we're vulnerable i cried in a video when i posted it today I was like, be vulnerable, show yourself. This is who we really are. Mm -hmm. I, I don't want people to think like, oh, this guy Kadawa that's got like 200,000 followers, he's perfect. I'm not perfect. Mm -hmm. I still have moments, I cry. I, I have moments that trigger me. So I don't, I don't have a problem sharing it. I'll tell them about it because I want you to see that we all learn to get through it as well. It just, it takes courage to get through this stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, amen, Brian. What about your friend group? How has that changed as you've changed? My what? Your friend group. My how, friend, is, my how has that changed uh, you've changed? I would say my friend group has changed in that I have pulled myself away from people that aren't actually trying to better their lives. I feel like I had a lot of friends that they're okay where they are, but where they are for me was just the partying and the lying and like the drugs and all that stuff. And I'm like, that doesn't resonate with me. Mm -hmm. I stayed friends because I was like, but they're still cool people. Mm -hmm. But it was like, none of that was bringing value to my life. So I pulled away from all of that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, from now on, when I have friends, I want friends that are always pushing themselves. Mm. So it's like my friend group now is just people that are pushing themselves. 
primarily coaches. Like I love being in the coaching atmosphere now because the coaches I work with and the coaches I know are, are pushing themselves way further than they were yesterday and last week and last month. And I'm continuing to do the same to where we're all like literally just growing and growing and growing and growing. And it's the best group to be in because we all inspire each other. Mm. You know, I feel like most friend groups, if you're like, I told someone, in, yeah, I did it in the live. I was like, if, if you buy a new crystal, like when my friend bought a crystal, she's like, I bought a new quartz crystal. And I was like, oh, snap. I was like, normal quartz? Is, is it drizzy? Is it smoky? Is it rose quartz? Like, what is it? What are you going to use it for? I was super excited for him. And it's like, I was never that way before, but I'm like, what are you going to use it for? Like, tell me more about the crystal. And I was like, I think we should all friends like that. Yeah. Your friends should be happy about what other people would consider to be basic Not because your friends support you. you. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, most people, oh, you bought a quartz crystal? That's lame. What are you using going to use a pendulum for? But even your friends that do believe in it, they're not happy for you. It's like, yeah. I, I celebrate I celebrate all of my friends mm-hmm. because I also celebrate myself. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm celebrating you. And now I'm like, do I want a crystal? And it's like, mm-hmm. I'm not competing with you. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you inspired me that maybe I want to go get exactly, a crystal now. And yeah. start upping my life or doing something or whatever it may be. So I believe my friend group now is all about inspiration and celebration. And so we inspire, inspiration. we celebrate each other. Yeah. Because we also do it for ourselves yeah yeah that's so powerful bro i completely resonate with that especially the crystal journey man you can't go wrong with a good crystal no now what part of your there's two questions left just for you just for your um reference what part of your conscious journey you're most grateful for cadell the military aspect of it Mm -hmm. as as much as people might i always get asked like do you regret it and i always say no if i think that me joining the military and what i did to survive was meant to happen or else I would not be able to speak into or with people the way that I do now. Mm-hmm. That experience has allowed me to talk to people in a way where I can be like, you can heal. I'm telling you right now, you can heal because I've been there. I've been through the same thing you've been through, but I've been through the processes of healing, of grieving, of learning, of flowing, of growing. And I know it is possible if you put in the work, mm-hmm. if you give yourself the space, if you separate yourself and let go of the things that no longer serve you, you can heal. So all of those things that happened to me needed to happen. Yeah. So. I love that, brother. I love that. And it's, uh, it's, it's powerful because a lot of the questions, so this question brings out the similar answers with a lot of the men where they go, my pain. Like, what are you, like, what are you most grateful for? My pain, the problems, the challenges, it's all the same mm-hmm. stuff. So they're all, mm-hmm. so the, what I'm seeing is generally the men are having the same mindset around it. They go, I wouldn't mm-hmm. be here without that. They don't mm-hmm. hate it. They don't disrespect it. They just accept it. So it's, it's so beautiful, man. Yeah. It's, it's, an, yeah, it's an integration period. I think a lot of people will see something and be like, I need to let go. And I'm like, well, let go of it. But what are you taking from it? Yeah. And it's like, if your pain is what got you here, most people, I think, struggle because they believe the pain is their story. Mm. My pain isn't my story. My pain is my lessons. If your pain is your story, that's why it's actually hard to let go. People can't let go of their pain Mm -hmm. because they think if this didn't happen, I wouldn't be this person. That's like, that's true. But also your pain doesn't define you. Your pain is just the lesson you learn. So Mm -hmm. I love that, man. What's one tip you would give your old self who's just starting this journey? My old self. Actually, it's a quote that uh, one of the coaches Zion said, uh, change doesn't take time. It takes courage. It's the advice I give my old self. Be like, it's you can. I, I tell people, you can wait all the time you want. You can stand in the sunlight. You can stand in the moonlight forever, waiting for that divine sign. It's probably not going to come, bro. 
go out and do it yourself. Sometimes the universe is waiting for you to step forward because I needed to realize or you need to realize that you are the divine sign you're waiting for. The moment you choose to consciously make the choice to better yourself, that is the divine sign. The divine sign isn't going to be the bird or the light or the, the 333 or the 1111. The divine sign is the moment you actually choose, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change. I'm going to do this because I want to. Courage. That's a really powerful quote. Eh? It's like time doesn't change doesn't take time. It takes courage, and that's like leaning in to the mm -hmm. healing, leaning into the pain, mm -hmm. facing it. Mm -hmm. Takes a lot of courage. Same with shadow work. Not yeah. time. It's courage. Hey, that's the truth, man. Fuck. Wow. Shadow work. Yeah. Gotta love good shadow work. It's very profound for you. Very true. Very profound, man. Thank you so much for joining me, Kadara. No, I really appreciate your me. time, brother. And for those listening, if you do want to reach out to Kadara again, you can connect with him in the show notes. Get on his TikTok. It's it's awesome to see you on there, man. It's awesome to see you shining. Thanks. It's awesome to connect with you, brother. Thank and you, brother. We'll stay in touch. And thank All you right. to everyone for listening. Much love, and I'll see you on the next episode. Much love. And just be I got love in my eyes Bro, I can't see I'm gonna be Who I'm destined to be Wokeness is taking My old self away Yeah I put love into me I'm spreading that love Yo, don't you see Grab your cacao And drink it with me Cause wokeness Is taking my old self away Woke man Wokey woke man Woke man Wokey woke man Woke man Wokey woke man Bring love and just be Woke man, wokey woke man, woke man, wokey woke man, woke man, wokey woke man, bring love and just be.